Hello, more buddies. Hello, my babies. How you doing, babies? Dear listeners and <laughs> patrons, thank you for joining us. This is a special episode of the Morbid Museum podcast where you remember um when they used to do the thing for Fox Five like special presentations in the like late eighties, early nineties? Are you too young? God damn Girl, it! Don't do that. You know when I was born, okay? <laughs> but yes, the like, beginning <laughs> of the VHS tape, you know, and now our feature <laughs> presentation. <laughs> Anybody who is my age will know that's the HBO opening music. <laughs> it's like I'm there. Um, today's anyway. episode. Today's episode. We are doing a special presentation, a special discussion um, about the world living history. Um, this was something that Katie uh, brought up, and you know, thought we should explore. And I was, I was, uh, you know, interested to talk about it. Um, the living history world is one that is special and dear to me not one that yeah. i thought i would ever get involved in really um it's what made up. you what made you first even want to just out of curiosity yeah sure that i'm happy to talk about so uh it all started when i was in undergraduate when i was in college um you know dating myself it was 2009 uh, or 2008 actually to be precise and that was around the time when uh barack obama had been elected and it was also 2000, 2009 was the bicentennial of Abraham Lincoln's birth. Mm, so it was a big back. time in America. Take me back. <laughs> take me back. So it's a new age. The economy is eh, um, but politics are looking really good <laughs> optically. <laughs> eh? So I went to school in Connecticut and I went to a state school and the governor at the time, Jody Rell, mandated that all of the state schools do something to commemorate the bicentennial of Abraham Lincoln's birth, 200 years of Abraham Lincoln. So my political science professor, who uh, was my mentor, uh, knew that I had a theatrical side. I had been doing plays all through college. And mm -hmm. he said, what do you think about doing a Lincoln Douglas reenactment? You could be Stephen Douglas, obviously me, a short. Round. I did not know that was your first. Yes, that was my first. So that's how it started. So we uh, you never forget mine, your first. <laughs> you never forget your first reenactment. You never forget the first time you inhabit the uh, fat body of a historical figure. Um, so sounds be better than you it sound is. like Gary Oldman doing a character. <laughs> <laughs> so. So uh, my friend and I, we put we we put together a like modern adaptation of the Lincoln Douglas debates where it was two I podiums and like readers theater. So we had binders yeah. and we cast our friend as like a moderator. So the moderator were kind of like and he was like of 21st centuries. So he would like chime in and be like, gentlemen, please get back to the issue. So Kansas slavery mm. and like, you know, because the, the so debates cute. were like the debates were so long in real real time. Yes. And they were so not suited to 21st century tastes. So we tried Let's to boil. This debates is like. A, it's a huge. They were like hours. These like huge yeah. oratories. And they were just incredible, which just is humbling as a human. So we would make it like we made it like an hour long. And what was really fun, which really hooked me, was we did a Q&A after the fact. And we did a Q&A in character. So I was like a pig and shit. So I was living for this. And you know, there's like 13 people in the auditorium. <laughs> it's like nobody there. 
I'm related to like three fourths of them. Yes, my mom and dad. My sister was there. My brother. We all took a picture. They had a great time. There was video. Um, there's a YouTube clip somewhere. I will not link it. Um, and so, oh, we'll find uh, oh, it. Oh, 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 oh yes, the, the, uh, we'll find it. So, uh, so someone asks me, not my family. Someone asked me, Ooh. oh, Mr. Douglas, do you think a black man would ever be elected president? And in fiery indignation as Stephen Douglas, I said, hell no. But you shot he, them. <laughs> if he was, if he was, he'd be part of Mr. Lincoln's Republican Party. And Good the crowd you. was like, no way. Like just melted like about the evolution of political parties and how, yeah, the Republicans were, you know, seen as the lover of the Negroes at the time. So that was like, holy shit, this is a really interesting way to do history. So it's such a great that was in, how it yeah. It yeah. really works for a lot of people. A lot of people love the theater woven into their history. That's right. And there are so many different stripes of living history. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not here to really educate everybody about all of that. It's so hard not it's so hard to go into it. But, you know, the first time I probably saw it was when I went to Sturbridge Village when I was a kid. I was like 10 years old and I went to Sturbridge Village with my parents and my grandfather who was a huge What is history. that one? Old Sturbridge Village? Yeah. So that's near, uh, it's in like Southern Mass. So it's like over the Connecticut border, about half hour up into like mill country. And it's basically the 1830s. And uh, Sturbridge Village is amazing example of like an imagined village. So it's like taking Mm. a bunch of buildings from the area and constituting what looks like a village. Because every village in Massachusetts is an active village. There's cars going through it. There's a highway. There's commerce. <laughs> there's homeless people. How do we sanitize and create a time travel experience? You have to either take an abandoned area and take it over or make a new area. You're right. Re- you're recolonizing as a museum, which is so meta and so fascinating in and of itself. It. And I remember uh, meeting the school teacher at Sturbridge Village. It was a stern man wearing his like, you know, waistcoat and tie. And he had the glasses on the tip of his nose and there's pictures of me like with my little chalkboard, like, you know, meekly like showing it for approval, you know, and he's like, do it again, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, this is fun and scary and interesting. I love it. Yeah. So I graduated college and then I couldn't get a job because the economy sucked. And so I went to grad school yep. and went to school for history, for public history in particular. And again, with theater, it was like, oh, uh, living history, theater, interpretation, this is my jam. So yeah. uh, I worked with the folks at Minuteman National Historical Park 12 years ago. Wow. That was when I started doing that. And I was there for a summer and I wore colonial garb and I learned how to shoot a flintlock musket, had incredible experiences and- been a you know, hot summer say, for you, huh? It was a hot historical, super hot. Yeah, that was the and that's the first thing everybody say. Oh yeah, hot man, huh? And it's like, yeah, I'm wearing a cotton ass jacket, like you know. And I loved that summer. It's still so near and dear to my heart, and mm. it really got me into museums. And um, you know, the living history world is is an interesting one because it really took off during the bicentennial, 1976. That's when it really I never knew into- that. Kicked into gear in this country, big time. Checks out for sure, yeah. Yes. And it's been kind of dragging since the 80s. Like it's been diminishing in terms of numbers. Mm, yeah. And a big, it's an, and, and they call it the hobby. 
the guys in the field, the women in the field, they call the it legit, the hobby. The legit people. The yeah. hardcores, as we'll discuss. And they call it the hobby. And let's be honest, you know, I don't have a lot of hobbies because I'm cheap. Hobbies are not cheap. This is this is kind of as much of a hobby as I can invest in at this time. This it's is mostly right. just us talking bullshit and drinking together via Zoom. Okay, no, I have no hobbies. Yeah, great. So um, <laughs> basically, so yeah, my hobbies are craft beer and sleeping. <laughs> like, you know, I've always threatened by the hobbies question in like, like dating it. personalities. I'm like, no, I'm like, no hobbies. Um, my hobbies are hating on something or sleeping. Being Does sleeping count? <laughs> Sleeping's great. If I can, if I can get into, get into it. Um, my favorite. So, you know, the hobby is an expensive one. If you want to buy your own clothes, make your own clothes, buy yeah. your own gun, do all that shit, it's expensive. So, you know, my brand living history for many years, I do I did a lot of political history. So I wouldn't do military history because I wouldn't join a unit. I didn't That's not really... your thing anyway. We've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, military, right, is not my style. I'm like, give me the spirit of the age. So I want a person who represents the period. That's more it. so than a that's battle. It. That's right? it. Yeah, and that's, so you that's know, so you. We talk a we talk a big game about the great men of history, but <laughs> girl, I contributed to the patriarchy and the great men of history by sending up many a famous and not so famous historical character. So just to just to recap and not to name drop, but here we go. Uh, I played Nathan Hale at the Nathan Hale Homestead. Oh, okay. A very a, a very heavy portly Nathan Hale. Um, Nathan Hale was a gorgeous fucking waspy a- a- Aryan. You know, man. So perfect casting. So yeah, hello. I was just the only male under fifty who was at the staff. Um, I played. I wrote a one-man show about Sam Colt, the inventor of the revolver. That's your who, big claim to fame. That's who was a big, big one. He had a big beard. He had curly hair. I got my hair permed for that one. Which we have to do the um, some history on that guy on the show at some point. Oh, I feel like you know way too much about. Oh, him to just that let I could it do. My sit sleep. and fester. That <laughs> I could do myself. Um. And there are several others, Gideon Wells, who was the Secretary of the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these characters, basically, I would wear the same coat. So I had a joke that I'd be like, well, what's the coat going to be this time? So I did like a general 19th century coat. I had a good friend who was a costumer, and I had like, I had a coat that she had from an old costume like shop, and it said like Undertaker in the tag. I wore that Undertaker jacket like for 30 different gigs i'd do a different cravat a different shirt a crazy ass stippled on beard crazy hair fucked up bald caps i'm not good with makeup like it was just you know it was and that's the thing too is people are doing their own shit or they're keeping their chops or hair or whatever grown out yeah all the time yeah and usually people do one character like i have a very good friend howard wright who does he's a statuesque lincoln he's incredible Mm -hmm. so I've, i've worked with a couple different guys and uh done some some different characters and what's cool about living history is that you can do big big person of history you can impersonate mary todd you can impersonate abraham lincoln and you could also do social history where you're bringing up lesser known people and that's what that's what the military history is doing you know yes um, yes is the rank and file guys (laughs) i thought we could focus our attention on a special text that i read that first summer when I worked at Minuteman National Historical Park, my um, manager, uh, Jim Hollister, uh, assigned this book, Confederates in the Attic, which is by the late, great Tony Horwitz. Um, A terrifying title in, you know, to conceptualize. (laughs) There are just Confederates uh, in my attic. A little threatening. (laughs) And um, the guy on the cover is a little threatening as well. That's pretty uh, threatening. 
Yeah. Very and scared that's, of him. That's a reenactor. That's not a historical photo. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. So this is Civil War related. So this book, Confederates in the Attic, is a must read for anybody who's interested in American history and in the unfolding American memory surrounding the Civil War. Um, this book is seminal in in that understanding. And what it is, is uh, Tony Horwitz, like many historians, is actually a journalist. <laughs> uh, the good ones, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. So like your David McCullough's and a lot of these guys mm. um, cut My their teeth Candace, with... My girl Candace, who I love. Yeah, they're all journalists because they're really good storytellers. He you know, presents this travel log through the American South in which he's focusing on everything beneath the Mason-Dixon line. And he's trying to understand the un, the the subtitle is Dispatches from the Unfinished Civil War. Oof. Yeah. And this is written in 1998, y'all. So wow. this is very ahead of its time. And the Civil War is 125, 30 years ago from that moment. So yeah. it's a long time ago now. Um, so the titular character in Tony's book is the guy on the cover whose name is Robert Lee Hodge. Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> Robert Lee Hodge is a Confederate reenactor. So these guys wear the gray. And they march into battle, and they are honoring, more, more times than not, the heritage of their ancestors. They are cool. reenacting what their forebears did Cool. for all kinds of different reasons. Now, what's important to remember about these guys is that you know they are doing what they're doing, but how they're doing it is endemic to a lot of Civil War living history, dressing up like people from the past pretending to be people from the past what we call time travel sure and that's that's what you're trying to do you're trying to simulate what it was like in the past now you and i know as museum professionals as managers of 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 of, of practitioners of history there are limits time travel is not real you, you can't actually do it we have not figured it out don't tell everyone our secrets <laughs> like I know because I write my department's budget. We can't afford to give everybody the right kind of shoes. We can't afford to get, we, you know, oh, and oh, you guys are having your own little glory over there. We are shoes. We need shoes. We need shoes. That'll be $17,000. Okay. Um, so everybody, <laughs> you black cuss. shoes, black or black or brown, do the best you can. Give me no, a nice bitch, I work somewhere where the women were wearing Nikes for fuck's sake. Like it's, there is a, that's the other thing, guys. Living history is a, spectrum it you is have your tiny little nothing poopy doop little historical houses where people are literally just like wearing an apron and a new york yankees t-shirt and then you have <laughs> fucking colonial williamsburg so yeah, yeah there's a spectrum <laughs> and as i said it's expensive so it's expensive for a, a personal practitioner a hobbyist and it's expensive for museums to run An that institution. way so, yeah. yeah so your williamsburg your stirbridge's your Jamestown, your Plymouth Patuxet, those are the big baddies. And I they was can thinking, afford it. Luke, I think that I didn't really encounter it now that I think about it till I was in high school mm. when I went to Colonial Williamsburg. I don't think I'd seen like legit yeah. uh, living history till then. And I mean, if you're going to start anyway, I started too high. That was the problem. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We aspire. We aspire to <laughs> everyone. Be... I mean, God. We like you and I have talked at length of our love of the 
the now retired Thomas Jefferson that they had there for yes. He was Mr. amazing. Mr. Barker. Yes. His entire, that's his career. Like that's yeah. incredible that this is really a dedicated career for some people. But what you're talking about with these Confederates yeah. is uh, this is, this is a combination of uh, heritage mm-hmm. and uh, lineage and, uh, perhaps still holding on to some ideals. Yes, yes, it's extremely uh, unpalatable. So toxic. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about some of the titles. So, um, uh, and I think you and I would agree. Like you know, we describe the kind of work we do, and sometimes people say, "Oh, you're a history buff." I, I am. I am oh. rebuffed. I am rebuffed by the term history buff. I'm 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 not comfortable being called a history buff. I'm not comfortable being called a historian. Like those yeah, right. two terms make me equally uncomfortable. I am someone who uh, I study history. Right, and so I, I'm yeah, a student I, of history. Exactly, that's a great way to default. You know, we're always yeah. learning. Yes, um, and so you know, depending on who you talk to, you know some of these guys that that Tony Horwitz is enmeshed with he kind of gets to be on behind the scenes with these guys yeah and he's like you know he's like he's like chilling with them over like fires and like camps and you know a lot of them even hate being called reenactors because that term is also loaded or it's too simplistic and so the the words we would use are living historians 